Welcome to the program. I'm your host, Neil Howard, here on Health Professional Radio. Real glad that you could join us again. We're going to be speaking with returning guest, Dr. Eric Klein, chairman of the Glickman Urological and Kidney Institute at Cleveland Clinic. He's coming back to talk about a new 20-year outcomes from a development study of the Oncotype DX Genomic Prostate Score, or GPS test. It was recently published in JCO Precision Oncology. Well, uh, welcome back, Dr. Uh, Eric Klein. Thank you for uh, returning. Thanks for having me. Well, for our listeners who may not be uh, as familiar with you uh, as a contributor as I'd like them to be, why don't you give us a, a little bit of your uh, background? I did, of course, mention your uh, chairmanship at the Glickman Urological and Kidney Institute. Give us a bit of your background, and let's talk about this study. Sure. I'm a urologic oncologist who has spent 30 years studying prostate cancer, doing clinical trials, and trying to develop biomarkers that help us manage patients better. This recent study, this 20-year outcomes, uh, this development study of Oncotype DX Genomic Prostate Score. First of all, what is the Oncotype DX GPS test and how is it currently used by uh, caregivers? Yeah, Oncotype GPS is a gene expression profile of 17 genes that can be measured on a prostate biopsy to predict the likelihood of having high-grade cancer or cancer outside the prostate. It predicts the likelihood of aggressive features, and it improves our ability to detect those things by about 20% over standard clinical variables. So this test has been on the market for a number of years now as an adjunct to decision-making in patients with low and favorable intermediate risk prostate cancer. Um, to help them decide whether or not active surveillance is a good management strategy. This recent test, what would you say are some of the key takeaways of the uh, study? So Oncotype was initially validated, as I mentioned, to predict the presence of what we call adverse pathology, worrisome features that indicate tumor aggressiveness. But we didn't really have long-term data on outcomes that really matter which are the likelihood of developing metastatic disease or the likelihood of dying of prostate cancer. Obviously, those are two things that patients want to avoid. So we went back to the original cohort of about 500 patients that we studied, reflective of many, many more patients in our database. And having this long-term follow-up in a prospective database, we were able to show that a single uh, oncotype score on a very small bit of cancer, just one millimeter of cancer, um, has really powerful ability to predict what could happen 20 years down the road. And what it shows is that if you have a high oncotype GPS score, that's a real cancer. That's one that has biologic potential. And in my view, one that should be treated, although others look at the data a little differently. If they see that on a biopsy, they might look a little harder to try and find the higher grade cancer or follow the patient a little more. The other thing it suggests is that if you have a low score, you're at very low risk of having one of these really bad adverse outcomes. And that doesn't mean that you can't be treated if you want to, but it's, it's just another piece in the puzzle that suggests that maybe the tumor that you have that looks low-grade under the microscope, um, even if it has a little bit of higher-grade uh, features like pattern 4, at least it's pattern 4, it's actually safe to follow. You mentioned that some look at the data differently in making these decisions. Uh, when it comes to this long-term outcome, what are some of the factors, other than what you've, you've mentioned, I mean, you know, the living or dying, obviously, but what are some of the other factors when it comes to looking 20 years down the road? Well, so here's the issue with active surveillance. We know that most patients with low-grade tumors are good candidates for surveillance. We know that. But we also know that some 
sometimes we undersample the prostate and that there's higher grade cancer that could become life-threatening down the road, um, that's often not detected. And so we have new tools to, to help find that. One thing that has revolutionized what we do is MRI of the prostate, which allows us to sample the most worrisome looking areas in the prostate and be sure <clears throat> that we're not overlooking high-grade cancer. And for those kind of patients where you see a, a, what's called a pyrides, a high pyrides lesion, four or five, that looks worrisome for cancer, we know that we've sampled the wor most worrisome part of the, of the prostate. But in a lot of patients, um, we know that MRI, for example, doesn't see about 20% of high-grade tumors, particularly if they're small. And a test like Oncotype can help complete the picture and be sure that the patient who goes on surveillance actually does not have high-grade cancer. So that part of the data is a little bit less perfect than the high score patients. So again, patients with a high GPS score, I think have real cancers. Nobody, I don't think, can challenge that now based on this data. If you have a low score, you can't be absolutely certain that you didn't miss a high-grade cancer elsewhere in the prostate. But I look at the data and I'm really impressed by the fact that that doesn't happen very often. In this series, if you had a GPS score of 20, for example, um, the likelihood of dying of cancer was 1%, and the likelihood of getting metastatic cancer was about 2 or 2.5%. Two so with a score that low, if we were missing a lot of high-grade cancer just by relying on a score this low, that data wouldn't be what it is. There'd be many more patients with scores of 20 that were dying of prostate cancer getting metastatic disease because the biopsy missed it. And this data, as I look at it, suggests that, in fact, this is a pretty good sampling of what's going on in the prostate. You said that you went back to an original 500 patients that were sampled in a previous trial? Yes. So we originally published this study in 2017, but it had started long before that. And what we did to try and um, develop this test, the original discovery study, we took 2,500 patients who had had radical prostatectomy at the Cleveland Clinic and who had already 10 or 15 year follow-up. So we went back to the archives of our tissue. And out of those 2,500, we, in a very statistically um, sound way, <clears throat> took 500 tumors that were representative of all 2,500. So really, the, the study is on 2,500. And we asked the question, if we were to extract RNA from uh, these tumors, <clears throat> and, uh, and could we find some genes that predict important outcomes? And um, that's what we did, and that was the original discovery uh, study in 2017, and that was validated on biopsy specimens uh, provided to us by the University of California in San Francisco by Matt Cooperberg and uh, Pete Carroll. So we validated that. <clears throat> but a number of years have passed now, and so we went back to the original data, and um, we now have a median 15-year follow-up on these patients, and many have been followed for 20 years. So this was just a follow-up study on that same subset to look at longer-term outcomes and, again, to look at outcomes not only for the presence of, what we, again, what we call adverse pathology, which generally dictate that someone who is on surveillance, if they have adverse pathology, ought to be treated, but longer-term, more important, hard endpoints of metastasis and death. Is there anything that you'd like to add? And as far as availability of the uh, Oncotype, is it available readily or are there um, certain restrictions on who can administer the test as far as uh, physicians? 
You know, this is widely available commercially, and what it requires is an order by a physician, usually a urologist or a radiation oncologist, sometimes a medical oncologist, to the company. And the company then contacts the pathologist where the biopsies are being held um, or archived. And the pathologist sends some tissue to the company, and the company does the test and, and reports it out. It's, there are some other tests available on the market that work similarly. Well, Eric, it's always a pleasure, always very informative uh, to speak with you, hoping that um, you'll come back and uh, give us some more in the future. I'd be happy to do that. Great. You've been listening to Health Professional Radio. I'm your host, Neil Howard, in conversation with Dr. Eric Klein. Audio copies of this program are available at hpr.fm and healthprofessionalradio.com.au. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, listen in, download at SoundCloud, and be sure and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com, Health Professional Radio. 